this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the song The Incredible Hip Shaker. It's from the album This Is Boss by the Vancouver, B.C. surf band The Hang Ten Hangmen. They gave us permission to play this song on Monster Kid Radio. Go check them out when you're done listening to this episode at thehangtenhangmen.bandcamp.com. Big thanks to them for letting us play their music here on the show. And of course, I'll play this song in its entirety at the end of this episode, which happens to be episode number 563 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is monster kid radio i am your writer host producer Derek m cook and we have got the return of dominique lamsey's on this week's episode of the podcast it has been way too long since i've spent any amount of time with her and it's been even longer since we've had her on the podcast and here's the cool thing as soon as we got done she looks at me and she says i really miss this i really miss recording with you and well somebody else so we hope to have her on the show again here very soon. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about a movie that evokes quite the reaction from Miss Dominique. Mesa of Lost Women. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But she makes some really good points. And I went into the conversation feeling one way. and came out of the conversation feeling a completely different way. For the better. And it's just really interesting to listen to somebody who is so passionate about well how this movie works and i think you're going to enjoy the conversation as well and of course we kind of derail a little bit because dominique and i are old friends and that's what happens when old friends get together and start talking about monster movies also in this episode speaking of old friends mark matsky's back with another beta capsule review we are into ultra seven right now seven seven oh man i am loving ultra seven more and more with each episode i rewatch. I think it's starting to become my second favorite Ultraman series of all time, right behind Ultraman 80. And another old friend, Kenny. He's got another look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. You know what I love about Monster Kid Radio? That I consider all of you friends. So when I say I had a friend send me an email, I'm speaking the truth. I mean it. We had an email come in, and we're going to get into that in this week's mail call right about now. It's time. It's time? Yes, it's time. It's, it's time, time for Monster Kid, Kid Radio, Radio Mail Call. Call. This email came in with the subject heading Spider Baby. This is an episode that we did not too long ago here on the show. Go check it out in the archives at monsterkidradio.net. The email reads, great show on one of my faves. Not too long ago, I won a contest on the website Terror of the Daves with an in-depth review on this very movie. You may find it of interest. Meanwhile, keep up your good work. Love the podcast. This email comes in from Mark S. And I couldn't agree more. Spider Baby is just so cool. It is also becoming one of my favorite Lon Chaney films. His performance in this evokes so much of his greatest hits 
you know, Lenny from Of Mice and Men, a little bit of Lawrence Talbot in there from The Wolfman, just all sorts of really good stuff here. It's a multi-layered, multi-faceted performance. And everything else in the movie is pretty quirky and cool, too. But to me, it's a Cheney vehicle through and through, and that's what makes me come back to this movie over and over and over again. Terror of the Daves is a cool website. Everybody should check that out if you have an opportunity to do so. Uh, it's a blog that I've been following off and on for years and one of the Daves on that is a huge Sven Gulli fan. So if you want to know anything about Sven Gulli, just check out the Terror of the Daves website. Terror of the Daves can be found at terrordaves.com. Thank you for writing in. If you want to write in like Mark, or if you have anything you want to share about Monster Kid stuff happening in your neck of the woods, or you want to comment on a previous episode, there's a couple of different ways you can get a hold of us. Monsters in the Machine, do your job and... Let the folks know how to get a hold of us. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. American General Pictures imprisons you in a bloody web of terror. Spider Baby has the seductive innocence of Lolita and the savage hunger of a black widow. Spider Baby will give you nightmares forever. No man that loves her lives to love another. Her sweet kisses engulf you in a bloody web of horror. Spider Baby will thrill you, then kill you. Starring Spider Baby and Lon Chaney. For the horror thrill of your life, see Spider Baby from American General Pictures. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. hits. Here are the seven wonders of the world rolled into one fantastic adventure. Frankenstein, born again to rule in terror, a monster unleashed to conquer all who stand in his destructive path. Frankenstein conquers the world. Stars Nick Adams as the American scientist versus Frankenstein, incarnate, 
With the strength of a thousand men, a phenomenon such as never seen before, see Frankenstein Conquers the World, astounding on the giant screen, also on the same program. Tarzan, Man of the Jungle, with only a lion, a leopard, and a chimp as his army, can they conquer the hired killers of the dealer in death? Cy Weintraub presents Tarzan and the Valley of Gold. With Mike Henry and Nancy Kovac in Panavision and Color from American International Pictures. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Space Prisoner 303 has landed on Earth with a deadly secret in the seventh episode of Ultra 7. Arriving in a miniature flying saucer, an unidentified monster goes on a homicidal rampage, eliminating a hunting party and workers and patrons at the Mitsuya Mountain Pass gas station. Meanwhile, Terrestrial Defense Force agent Mizuno, an expert at decrypting rogue signals, intercepts a high-frequency message aboard Space Station V3. He rockets down to Far East headquarters to deliver the chilling news in person. An alien murderer from planet Curaçao escaped from prison and headed to Earth. The alien criminal, who feeds on gasoline, is discovered in a residential garage and menaces a family in their home before fleeing the Ultra Guard. There's a method to the alien's madness, however. He doubles back to abduct Anne, using her to gain access to the TDF base and the beta section of the Ultra Hawk. The Ultra Guard takes off in pursuit, hoping to recombine the Ultra Hawk in midair. Their plan works, but when the Curaçao alien sets fire to the ship, the beta section is ejected to crash land with the alien and Dan Moraboshi inside. Space Prisoner 303 is an intense, violent entry in the series, with the sequence in the family home especially nerve-wracking. The concept of an alien serial killer is an unnerving twist. It hasn't come to take over. It's just here to kill. The only thing missing from this episode of Ultra 7 is Ultra 7. In his Ultra form, he's on screen for less than 10 seconds, just enough time to transform, fly, and land. Those who watch the show specifically for kaiju combat will no doubt be disappointed, but Ultra 7 is emerging as a judicious warrior. If he can win without throwing a punch, so be it. And at the moment, that strikes me as a truly heroic quality. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. Can the most cunning, depraved, ruthless killer in all the world's history kill again after he dies? <laughs> the Hands of the Ripper. Jack the Ripper live again as his fiendish daughter inherits his lust for murder and revenge to kill again. And again. And again. In Hands of the Ripper, gory terror roams the streets as the Hands of the Ripper leave a baffling trail of blood. 
and a murderous trail of helpless victims behind. When the hands of the Ripper strike, you feel the grip of heart-stopping terror on your throat. It takes nerves of steel to face the hands of the Ripper. Can you? Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Why, hey, hey, what are you looking for under a tombstone in broad daylight? Shh, you'll scare her away. Scare her away? Who? What? What, what? what can you scare away here in a cemetery? My ghoul friend. She's the ghost in the invisible bikini. <laughs> what are you putting me on? Herbie, I know you're broad-minded, but this is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. And you should see her since she traded her bedsheet for a bikini. Well, you must enjoy looking around for a real nothing broad. It's really just that American International is inviting everyone out to the graveyard for a blood-curdling blast with the ghost in the invisible bikini to see Tommy Kirk, Deborah Wally, Aaron Kincaid, Harvey Lembeck and Jesse White with Nancy Sinatra, and guest stars Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and Susan Hart in the ghost in the invisible bikini in Path 8 color and Panavision. Now, you would have to get commercial. Now, you scared her away. Ooh. If you've seen all the other horror films, this is for you. More horror, more screams, and more fright than your wildest nightmares in Frankenstein's bloody terror. An all-new Super Shocker filmed in Chillerama 70mm and gory color. Now meet the wolf monster, a slashing, inhuman creature who prowls by night for new victims... It's terror beyond your most fearsome imagination as vampires, using the powers of witchcraft, summon the hideous wolf monster. Don't miss Frankenstein's bloody terror. It's a super shock spectacle of hideous horror in Chillerama 70 and gory color. Rated GP. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Have you ever been by a girl like this? Today's film, Mesa of Lost Women, was apparently too high class and sophisticated for FM's young audience, so it was never featured. So I am going to continue the series of Famous Monsters, low-tech social media. Today's edition is called Low-Tech Opinion Forum. Today's social media is notorious for bringing out the best and worst of everyone as we share our opinions on just about everything. From its early days and throughout its long run, FM never shied away from negative opinions from non-fans of the magazine. The centers would dare Foray to run their insulting comments, and he would oblige, usually with a snappy defense. Today we are going to hear one of the first examples of this from issue 4 from August of 1959. I have again enlisted friends to help. Joey plays publisher James Warren, and Matthew returns as Uncle Forey. I really needed them this time because I know I would have had a long struggle with the word quantitative, 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 oh, never mind. I struggle with some of their acting skills, but my buddies do a good job with them big words. Here we go. Kids. This is the only small portion of the whole issue that probably won't interest you. It's addressed to parents and educators. Statement from publisher, Mr. William Houghton, a high school teacher of Jaffrey, New Hampshire, takes my editor to task for producing insidious trash, 
recommends he search his conscience instead of his pocketbook before continuing to contribute to the moral degradation of our culture. While appreciating Mr. Houghton's sincere concern with molding the minds and mores of modern youth, I feel he is misguided regarding famous monsters as a menacing factor in the mental health of present and future America. The salary I pay my altruistic editor is scarcely enough to influence him to abandon the principles of a lifetime, and Forrest Ackerman replies. If famous monsters had existed when I was eight years old, I'm sure my dearly beloved grandmother, and she was the last of the angels, would have bought it for me regularly. Among my fondest memories of her are those of her reading Ghost Stories magazine to me and taking me, my grandfather holding my other hand, to the Phantom of the Opera, the Cat and the Canary, etc. Before condemning this magazine, Mr. Hodden, I feel you must prove that Lon Chaney Sr. perverted his life portraying monsters, that Edgar Allan Poe should never have picked up a pen, that Mary Shelley loosed a greater evil on the world than a fictional Frankenstein, that Universal Studios should be ashamed of itself for having built a reputation with films like Dracula and the Mummy. And that Good News Productions, principal producers of religious movies in the USA, had no business forming a sibling organization to produce The Blob, nor a local Hollywood branch of the Lutheran Church to sponsor the filming of Plan 9 from outer space. Quantitatively, a single monster movie must surely influence many times over the number of high school students our magazine does. We but humorously reflect on what already exists in movie monsterdom. Mr. Hodden, my editor, who is 42 years old, has never smoked or drank in his life, has no police record, is a peace-promoting Esperantist, has received a Hugo, the science fiction field's highest award, is regarded as a hero in the home of Ray Fahrenheit 451 Bradbury, and to cap the climax, was recently invited to lecture on sci-fi and monster movies to the student body of a Los Angeles junior high. The defense rests. James Warren. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. seems deserted. That monster's on the loose right here in town. Anybody catch sight of this thing? Well, a few kids playing in the street said he was 20 feet tall, covered with long hair and had great big teeth. Behind these empty streets, these windows shut in fear, lies the strange story of a young girl who knows the secret of the teenage monster. Fascinated by an evil demon, unable to control her sinister desires, she leads the monster to his prey, sacrificing an entire town to his insatiable lust for human life. I don't like to be stolen from her. I don't like to be laughed at. Oh, but it's not going to happen anymore. Because Charles won't let it. He'll kill anybody who does. Even you, I think. <gasps> Joe Martindale came in this morning, lost six of his blooded steers last night, and a rider. The steers had their throats torn out, and the rider, Bill Begley, was beat to death. It's a thing again. I'll meet you back at the office. I'm gonna have to go, Ruth. You stay in town. That thing's loose on the range again, not 15 miles from your mind. What was it? It was that thing. Harry and horrible.
in panic, not knowing what they'll find, man, beast, or demon from another world, as they pursue the loathsome killing thing they call the teenage monster. Listen. Do you hear? It's coming back. Turning the screen into a buzzing, crawling, creeping nightmare of terror. This is the son of the original fly, daring to explore the forbidden science of transmigration that brought horrible death to his father. You look as if you've just seen a ghost, old man. It was the fly. Fear that will fasten its choking grip on you as his weird experiments spawn the twisted monstrosities of a living hell. The rat man whose hands and feet are changed to paws. The living corpse who rose from his coffin. And the return of the fly, seeking revenge with a thousand eyes. Smashing anything that stands in his way. Suppose he does come here. What if Philippe does not have the mind of a human, but the murderous brain of the fly? Then he will have to be destroyed. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. Monster Kid Radio listeners, this is a first. I'm actually doing a recording with somebody else in person in my home in the new apartment in Vancouver. She came up uh, at least an hour ago and we just spent a lot of time hanging out chatting. And then I remembered, hey, we need to talk about the Mesa of Lost Women. Aren't you lucky? I'm lucky. I've got Dominique Lamsey's here. Dominique, welcome to my home. Welcome. Welcome. I just said thank you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. So it's, it's been a yeah. It's been a while, yeah. and you know, life. So hi is my <laughs> point, and thank you for having me. And yeah, based on lots of women. Oh boy. <laughs> and and we'll talk about it. I, I watched it again this morning in preparation of this before I did a recording with somebody else for another podcast. Stay tuned for that. But, I, you know, it's been forever since we've had you on the show. And while we've just done a lot of, hey, you know, good friends catching up, what have you been up to? Honestly, not too much. You've been you've been a presence that's been missed in a lot of the community stuff we do. I miss everybody, too. Yes. Thankfully, it's finished. Yay. So, yay. And trying to unload some of the uh, creations you have, right? Yes. Um, at the Etsy shop, the House of Silent Graves, we are having a sale. Everything is half off. Um, I am doing a cross-country move. 
And I would like my monsters to find good homes rather than being shoved in a box for the foreseeable future. So stop by. And if you, if you ever wanted to tangle her, now's a great time to do it. I have my tingler out. It was one of the first things that I made sure that I had out, not just because you were coming over today, but the tingler's been out pretty much nonstop. I, I love that thing. So I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to her Etsy shop. Go check it out. Uh, I highly recommend it. And I know there are a lot of satisfied customers in the MKR audience. Very cool. So that's where I was getting. I was like, you can promote your stuff. You know? <laughs> so, uh, because uh, you also have to promote this movie. Mesa of Lost. <laughs> 1953. And I know we've shown it on the stream in the Monster Kid Movie Club in the past. It's a, a public. Times, yeah. It's in the public domain, which means a lot of the transfers aren't very good. But yeah, it, it looks good enough to get kind of. It's weird, man. Okay. Here's the thing about this movie. They having a good transfer of this movie, there's no point. Cause it's just I mean, this 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 movie is a waste of a cleanup. I adore this movie. I do. But it's one of those movies where you you keep it grungy. You do. Cause it's just it's just that kind of movie. It is just that kind of movie. It's and I'm gonna bring up a movie that you don't like, but it's kinda like when I watch Monos the Hands of Fate, the Blu-ray. It it feels a little wrong. I mean, I'm glad to have a great picture and great sound. It's great. It feels a little wrong to me, not necessarily because of the movie quality, but because of, I mean, the fact that we've only seen it one particular way. Mm -hmm. This movie may take on a weird, even more alien, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, aesthetic. Yeah. If it did get cleaned up, if it did have the audio worked on. And now just kind of for fun, I kind of want to do it just to see, but... Well, see, because one of the reasons I like this movie, and we can talk about it later, is the fact that it is a nightmare logic thing. It makes very little sense. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, there's, there's not making sense, and there's nightmare logic. Okay. And nightmare logic is, I mean, the master class in nightmare logic is Carnival of Souls. Good point. But the thing is, because the Carnival of Souls was one of those movies where I thought, oh, it should stay grungy because, you know, it should stay grungy. And then they cleaned it up when they did the Criterion release. And it does actually benefit from that. There's so many details that you never knew you noticed and all this kind of stuff. So I could be wrong. I mean, you might be right. We could clean this up and especially the desert because I think the scenes mm, in the desert. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, I can't imagine the lab benefiting from us being able to see what was really there because yeah. I have a feeling the fact that you couldn't make out a lot of details benefited the, the production design there. Yeah, yeah. I got the the Batman 66 box set Yeah. after they cleaned it up. Okay. And there's certain things that suffer, like close-ups of the Joker. <laughs> oh, I bet his mustache pops. Can't say it does. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it should be a little grungy so it's not as noticeable. Well, you know, when, like, more of the world's been, they know if you see the wires, you know? Yeah. But, I'm not. Well, that's kind of sloppiness on somebody's part, because if you're going to go through all the effort to clean it up, you just wipe those out real quick. It's easy to do. Yeah. It, and it gets tedious because you're doing frame by frame, but it's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I kind of want to see this one cleaned up. Now, just <laughs> without curiosity, I kind of want to. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think you're, and you're right. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. And then I can, I can tweak some sound stuff, although I don't want to get rid of that soundtrack. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So you go into the lab and the psh, psh, that gives me life. I love that so hard. The first time I saw that, I thought it would, there was something wrong with the soundtrack, or like someone had added like, I was like sometimes you you'll, you'll see like um, 
horror hosts will add like sound, sounds and stuff yeah, to make yeah. it sound goofy. I thought that's what that was. And then I kept watching all these different versions and it was always there. And I'm like, this is amazing. That's that's awesome. <laughs> I, I was referring more to the music that just plays on a ridiculous loop over and over and over again. I don't know anything about the composer Hoyt Curtin, but... Uh, yeah, he loved that riff, or he didn't get paid very much, so they just have the one piece of music to play over and over and over again. It's, it's possible, both. That's true. You, you, you don't pay guys very well when they're not very good. <laughs> 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 oh, man, we're going to have fun talking about this one. Um, <laughs> it's it's no Carnival of Souls, folks. No, um, not. It, in my approach on Monster Kid Radio, Dominique knows this. Y'all know this. I, I, I try not to belittle a movie or, or drag a movie. I, I, I do believe that every movie is somebody's favorite. But there's also honesty <laughs> when it comes to a movie like this that, you know, God, Zilla bless him for trying to come up with a film um, and, and putting something together, feature length like that. That's more than I've ever done. But, man. <laughs> well, here's my whole thing. I think I've discussed it probably on this show before. Just because you love something doesn't mean you're blind to its faults. Yeah, yeah. One of the, there's this movie I absolutely adore. I have no idea why I absolutely adore this. The Wild Wild World of Batwoman. Oh my God, I love that movie so much. It's it, great. It offends one-celled animals, but it's, it's, <laughs> oh God, it's, there's nothing about that movie that isn't terrible and offensive, but I love it. And you can love things and acknowledge that they're not perfect. Sure. And this is, I think, because I actually think this movie has a lot more going for it than people give it credit for. And actually, in a lot of ways, when I was sitting and watching this again before we recorded, I think classing it with Manos is not out of line. Okay, I don't know if we've ever discussed this. But okay, so I don't like Manos. Right. And the reason I do not like Manos is because for me, it is so screwed up. It is frightening. It is a legitimately disturbing movie to me. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're willing to look at Mesa of Lost Women, not just as look at all this goopy stuff that's stupid. If, again, that's where the nightmare logic comes in. You take it on its own terms and you let it adhere to its own little world and its own little rules. It is kind of a frightening movie. In particular, because a lot of people just slam... He is I mean, Harmon Stevens. Harmon Stevens. People just kind of like dismiss his performance as being weird and kind of stupid. And it's not because he's playing a homicidal psychopath. He's not on the same mental plane as the rest of the world. He's got his own thing. He's doing his own thing. And the character is consistent. That's true. Yeah. He is always like that. He's very, he's very childish because he's blocking emotions from the things that he's seen. And just the way he talks, because the way he talks is a lot of what gets me. Because there's, there's an interesting thing that's done in this movie with the way the crazy people talk. Okay. Because it starts with Jackie Coogan. You listen to Jackie Coogan when he's talking, and his voice is almost monotone. 
he'll go along and he'll use the same tone and then he'll emphasize a word here and there and then it goes back down and, and it emphasizes a word here and there and then it goes back down. Okay, okay. And it's off-putting. It's not like like you can really put your finger on what's disturbing about it. It's just, that's not normal. And Mesa of Lost Women hits that a lot. And Masterson's character, Masterson, is, is like that as well. Because he talks with the same rhythm every time. And he's quoting the Bible. And his word talking is very simplistic. You're good. I'm going to protect you. You're evil. Don't make me kill you. And it's very simplistic and it's very childlike. But coming from someone like that, it is that much more disturbing. I could see that. Or hear that. Yeah. And within the course of how long we were recording, <laughs> Dominique <laughs> has just added a bunch of depth to this film. Um, <laughs> you posted about this on Facebook, and I can't remember what prompted that. I was watching it. It was just happening to be on I, have, I saw it on Comic TV at like 2 a.m., and I was just like, it's one of those movies that I see it on, and I have to watch it. How long has this movie been something that you feel that, I mean, when did you first see it? Do you have any like specific memories attached to it? No. I actually cannot remember when I first saw this movie. I can't. And it, it's weird because the movies that I associate with Nightmare Logic, I can never remember that kind of stuff. I cannot remember the first time I saw Carnival of Souls. Hmm. I can't remember the first time I saw Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I still haven't seen that. It's, it's that, is, that is the perfect Nightmare Logic double feature is Carnival of Souls and Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Really? That movie is amazing. Hmm. Okay. I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah. Well, you came prepared. You've got notes. My memory isn't what it used to be, so I have to, I had to write stuff down so I remember <laughs> to talk about it. But yeah. Um, I'm not trying to like read your notes and skip ahead, but I do <laughs> like the very first thing you have there, the WTF opening. Oh my God. The narration. The narrations for this, like, okay. Because here's another reason I love this movie. Because the there's this like Ed Wood style earnestness to this yes. movie. Because there's actually a ton of Ed Wood connections to this movie. Well, like the narrator. Like the narrator. Yeah. And also, he's he's one of our Batman connections because this movie has a bunch of Batman connections. Lyle Talbot was the narrator. And right. Lyle Talbot played Commissioner Gordon in the movie serials. Oh, oh, okay. All right. And Dominique's a huge Batman fan, too. <laughs> yes. So that's cool. And then, All right. And he does, like, the perfect evil voice. Like, one of the things I love about the narrations, both at the beginning and the end, which... Honestly, like, I love the way Lyle Talbot does it, but they could have been Criswell. They absolutely could have been Criswell. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, like, if Ron Ormond or somebody wrote them, but they just ooze with this contempt for humanity. Oh, yeah. Humanity is horrible, and it sucks, and it's awful, and they're stupid, and oh, my God, it's amazing. There's uh, a, a lot of emotion behind that narration. Yes. I know this movie gets a lot of grief for the narration. Uh, you know, they, they just did it to fill time or kill time or they didn't want to do dialogue or whatever. But, you know, there's really a lot of contempt and, yes. and, and I would say anger almost. Yeah. Just, just kind of simmering through that whole thing. Um, yeah. It's a weird choice, but it really sets the movie up for exactly what it is, I feel like. I don't know how much you know about the making of this movie. Not very much. So it was made in, I think I want to say 51. And it was, the, the original movie was, Masterson was a psychopath and he hijacked these people on this plane and it crashed and they had to get saved. That was the movie. 
And then apparently the director was a butthead and nobody liked him and the money ran out and everybody was like, this sucks, we're not doing it. So then years later, Ron Hormon was like, you know what? Spider Women and Jackie Coogan acting weird. Bam, I fixed it. <laughs> I fixed it. I just did air quotes. Fixed it. <laughs> so, but you had to have the narration in order to tie in the Jackie sure. Coogan stuff with that. And that, for the Jackie Coogan character, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, because also it explains why the Jackie Coogan character is there. I love Ed Wood. I, I love Malos, even though, you know, and I, and I love these movies that that have this full on they did everything they possibly could to get this movie made one way or the other by hook or by crook diy whatever they had to do so i love hearing stories like that mm-hmm. i i don't know much about the production of this so i didn't know that yeah having heard that that makes perfect sense of course it started out as something else yeah and of course the narration was used to kind of fill in whatever gaps they couldn't get around to shoot or whatever because yeah. yeah you notice you don't see for the bulk of the movie you don't see the spider people in with the people on the plane. Yeah. Because there were two separate movies. It's a complete break. It's a yeah. complete break there. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. When I had it on this morning, I was uh, poking around in the kitchen or whatever. And I left uh, to come to the kitchen to start making coffee. Spider ones on the screen. Mm-hmm. Come back and talking about a dance club. They're, they're doing it's like, well, what? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Because, yeah, apparently the dancer was just some dancer and Masterson freaked out and shot her. And that was when they hijacked the plane. Sure. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I'm glad they had that moment at the end, though. Hey, that's the dancer from the club. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Well, it also explains, because one of, one of the moments where even I was like, mm, really? Was they're in the club, and he sees the dancer, and he's not freaking out. He's just like, whatever, I want to shoot her. Whereas, like, that was part of his trauma of being trapped in this lab with spider women, mm-hmm. and he's not freaking out about that. And it's like, okay, if you two separate movies, I get why that is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't hear the Lyle Talbot narration in my head without that music behind it. Just <laughs> the, the other Ed Wood connection, apparently that movie was used in jailbait, or that music was used in jailbait as well. Oh my, I think, oh man. And another Ed Wood connection one of the spider women that we get the close-up headshot of is Dolores Fuller. Dolores Fuller? She said this? Yes. She's one of the spider women. Oh, my. This movie just gets more and more interesting to me before we talk about it. <laughs> you see? This is what I'm on about. Wow. I, I had no idea. You know, I was going to challenge you to make you... Not make you, but I was going to ask you to make me likes this movie but you've already done it like this movie more anyway i had no idea she was in this also i mentioned the wild wild world of batwoman earlier yeah yeah Catherine victor was the chauffeur who drove leela to the lab at the beginning that's batwoman <laughs> it's this own it's like it's the own little bad movie world where we have edward and jerry warren and these other people all coming together in the mesa of lost women you know i'm going i'm scrolling through the cast list right now why does this name look familiar to me? And see, that's another Batman connection because the, the guy who plays George, psychiatric nurse, was one of Catwoman's henchmen in a couple episodes. Yeah. And actually, yeah, because he was Rome. He was Romian. That's him, George Barrows. Yep. Yeah. The, yep. And it looks like he was a gorilla suit guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the name was ringing a bell. Yeah. 
Um, normally, I would know that, listeners, off the top of my head, but you know, <laughs> this movie has nightmare logic. It messed me up. <laughs> so, wow, what? Okay, there needs to maybe there is, and I don't know. There needs to be like a, a book written about this movie and all, not just like the how how it made was made. That that's cool. That's weird. It feels like it's almost a hub of all this stuff. Kind of here's the Ed Wood stuff. Here's this stuff. There's Batwoman creepy. Just yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's the weird confluence of all these like '50s B movie people who came together in the base of Los Holmes. Wow. All right. Yeah. I have a little bit more respect for it. Yep. A little bit more respect for it. What else do you want to talk about in here? I'm, I'm curious now. Please, please guide me through this film. I'm going to talk about this, obviously. Um, the makeup and the costumes. Yes. So, okay, because basically you have to kind of look at this movie also as an attempt to remake The Island of Lost Souls. A lot of that through this, yeah. But, the, again, the cheapness actually feeds into the surrealness and the nightmare logic of it. And okay. one of my favorite examples of this is actually the wigs and the costumes that the spider women wear <laughs> because they look terrible. I mean, they're like weird and crusty and they yeah. don't look right, but that adds to the surrealness. There's almost this like uncanny, like that, that doesn't look, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Wednesday has a lot to say. I don't know if you guys, <laughs> And gals will hear that on the recording, but uh, Wednesday is here, and she's very talkative to me. She she's showing off for for Dominique. <laughs> well, the wardrobe guy was uh, Oscar Rodriguez. I know nothing about him. I'm looking at his credit list, and I mean, he did some cheap stuff. He Teenage Werewolf, How to Make a Monster. Looks like he was an AIP guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can definitely tell there was no money because the women's costumes is basically just fabric draped over them. It barely looks so very monos. Yeah, very exactly. Monos. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, just that that again with with monos there's that sense of okay, you'll have to beep this, but we're seeing it and that is what makes it disturbing. And then there's that element of this here. Because interestingly, one of the, I don't know why they seem to do this or if it's just like one of those things that would get fixed and when somebody cleaned it up, but Jackie Coogan's character wears the glasses with one dirty lens and one clean lens. Now, the thing is, in um, some beliefs, that is the symbol of somebody who can view two worlds. <laughs> I've not heard this. Okay. So seriously, because yeah, if you you yeah, especially like in voodoo, the the god of death, where it has one smoked lens and one. Okay. 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 I see where you go. Okay. Because yeah, he's he's kind of in our world, and he's kind of off in his own little scientific world under the mountain doing his own little thing. Okay. So there's like little little touches like that that like seem kind of stupid and lazy, but actually. Again, if you look, okay, maybe I'm reading into stuff. I'm going to say, do you think that was intentional? No, I don't think that was okay. intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast where she just gave it. You, great stuff can happen accidentally. Yeah. yeah. So, and that, that doesn't make it any less. I mean, it, yeah. Especially because the way Jackie Coogan acts is, again, an interesting thing because... He does this weird thing where he's super focused. And there's a couple times where Leland will like 
the psycho guy before he's psycho will come into the lab and he'll start talking about something that's, you know, practical. Oh, you don't have the money for this or nobody's going to accept this. And there's this really childlike way that Jackie Coogan's character, Aranya, just shuts him down and literally turns and walks away. That's not, that's not me. That's not, I don't have anything to do with that. I'm doing this. We're talking about this one thing. Okay. I love this story. I used to work in a Joanne's. Okay. And one day we got, we got Dr. Who fabric. It was back when we first got Dr. Who fabric. Everybody was coming in for Dr. Who fabric. And we had this lady and her five-year-old son. And they're buying all the Dr. Who fabric. And the kid comes up and he's going 90 miles an hour. Dr. Who and David, Dave does my favorite doctor. And then he stops and he looks at me and he goes, who's your favorite doctor? <laughs> and I look at him and I say, well, you know, I don't really like Doctor Who. <laughs> the kid literally stares at me for a beat, turns around and walks off. That is Aranya in this movie. Okay. Like I don't I don't get like you, I don't get you. You're not talking about something that I relate to by being practical and stuff, so I'm done. Walk away. <laughs> so for a second there when you're telling me that story, I thought you were gonna say Peter Cushing was your favorite who just knowing you. But I don't no? like Doctor Who. So no? I, I, I <laughs> As much as I would like a Doctor Who, Peter Cushing is my favorite, but... I've got the movies on Blu-ray if you want to watch them later. Yeah, I've seen them. They're, they're Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> not to derail too much. I'm, I'm not a movie either. I just... Not not for any uh, reason other than I just have never really bothered. So. I, I'll, pro I'll probably end up with them at some point, too, because Peter Cushing... Yep. It's Doctor Who. Sorry, everybody. I'm not really a sci-fi person, so... That's, yeah, you know. Yeah. No, no, you're more into, you know, more classy entertainment like Mesa of Lost Pure World. class, baby. Pure <laughs> class. Um, I did like Dr. Aranya. Um, and I don't know if it's because maybe I need to watch the movie as much as you have. Because mm -hmm. um, I didn't pick up on some of this stuff. It makes sense. And it kind of works on a, a level that, um, I mean, subconsciously, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I like him as a mad scientist villain type. Yeah. He's great. He really but I've never really sat down to kind of figure out why. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. So, when I clean my glasses next time, I'm going to leave one side yeah. dirty. Keep so one side dirty. See, see the other side. That's right. When, yeah. If we're talking about weird and unsettling and just off, we have to talk about Wu the Shady Butler. <laughs> Woo, the shady Asian stereotype butler. What was his deal? Like, what? Why? Why? This. I'm pretty sure his deal was racism. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yeah. 95 percent of what the character was. This weird kind of remaining yellow peril stuff kind of creeping in. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Looking at the movie, yeah, I have no idea what the function of that character was. And they kept, like, anytime something went bad, they kept cutting to him. Right? And his, Whether like, it had anything to do with it or not. And his, like, random fortune cookie one-liners. <laughs> like, because that, that added to it for me, because you've got Masterson off in the corner muttering about good and evil in a childlike voice. And then this guy who's supposed to be this wise Chinese dude, like spouting out these faux philosophical one-liners <laughs> and it gets to this point where it's like that's nightmare logic you're watching this and you're going why is any of this happening why are these people doing this why are these people going along with it masterson <laughs> has a gun 
And there's six other people. Well, we're just going to go along with the guy with the gun. Come on, y'all. Come on. And I, I love how, like, the whole time Wu was evil and Wu was betraying him. But we never actually get to that point. Right. In the story. And he dies. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you killed the evil Chinese guy that we didn't know was evil. You're evil. Like, it was weird. Yeah. I mean. I'm I'm guessing the original vision of the movie had more there. I don't know. Or didn't have Wu being evil. Right. That's probably what it was. Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. That, that's the easier. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, anytime something goes bad, anything any can uh, anything that's ominous or foreboding, insert close up of Wu yeah. for no reason. No reason. Just the Asian guy. Exactly. And, and the thing was that it was like it was the close-up of Wu, but he was doing that little shady smile and nod thing. Right. Like, come on, dude. Which, yeah, I mean, come he, on. he didn't do all of this, okay? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the stuff he says doesn't even really mean anything, and it doesn't actually pertain to the situation they're in half the time. Yeah, He that's just true. Like, spouts stuff. And they think it sounds smart, which I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I know people like that. <laughs> Asian or not, I know people like that. Yeah, same. Oh my god, here's the other scene we have to think about. Okay, I gotta talk about it. This is another one of those, of course, she's gonna talk about it. Let's talk about the little scene with the woman and the pilot around the fire. <laughs> yep, and if you could see the look that Derek just gave me. <laughs> Oh my god. So this is this scene right here is like why men should not be allowed to write romantic scenes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully broad. I, I don't know. I mean I imagine it's hard to do correctly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah apparently it is. Because <laughs> we go back and forth between her just being all like he accuses her of all these nasty things, which, mind you, are true that she doesn't love this guy, but she's marrying him anyway. And and it's just for security and it's wrong because she she should love somebody. And I'm like, dude, this is the 50s. Everybody married somebody for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the vast majority of human history was people marrying each other for security, not because they loved each other. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what, what, what? And then she comes on to him and he's all like, you. Oh, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, dude, you totally were doing it back, but okay. Yeah, you you, you, you did read the script. You, you did see, like, earlier all this, yeah. Yeah, and, like, all the, yeah, because all the times before that, they're, they're like, making a maze at each other and all this stuff, and, like, okay. Now she actually moves on, and you're like, no. Right. Oh, my God. Um, I don't necessarily go into movies of this ilk looking for these deep, well-written, well-woven human connection stories. <laughs> right? Which is probably a good thing because you're not going to get them in most no. of these movies. <laughs> That's not to say you can't have, you know, relationships or whatever, but in a movie like this, yeah. There's, it, like, okay, you got, like, okay, we've talked about the creature from the Black Lagoon and yeah. the whole scene with, with Kay and her associate, and, like, every once in a while it creeps in, it slips in, and it's like, oh, this is brilliant. Yep. But you have far more of these kind of scenes where... Yeah. The scene goes back and forth between her being good and her being bad and him being bad and him being good and dead like so many times in just like, and it's like a two minute scene and you get whiplash. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. Back and forth and back and forth. It's like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, mm. yeah, what do you think? Okay. <laughs> I'm now holding Wednesday. <laughs> All is right with the world. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Okay. <laughs> I got totally derailed and distracted by my cat. Everybody pay attention to me. Do, do you know anything about the filmmakers of this? Like, did they do anything else? Well, the original director, Tebos. Tebos. Yeah. Oh, Her Herbert, that's it. that's it. Apparently, this is his only official film credit. But there was a point where he claims he directed the Blue Angel. And then, like, you know, the film with Marlene Dietrich. And really? Yeah. <laughs> He says he created a new race. Like, no, no, you did. All right. <laughs> this this is the only movie that we ever know he had anything to do with, apparently. Huh. Yeah, I pulled up. Who am I looking at right now? The other guy, Ron Ormond. Doesn't look like he did a lot of genre stuff. I mean, I don't know what most of these movies are, but they're not striking me as, you know, monster movies, horror movies, whatever. Is it teen exploitation or something? I'm seeing some of that. Um, I mean, we got like a... White Lightning Road. So it's a cars and barnyard babes is what the <laughs> the poster. I want that poster for my wall. <laughs> Popped up cars and barnyard babes. Something called Please Don't Touch Me, he produced. Um yeah, these these look a little more exploitive than anything else. Okay. He was probably a money making guy. Which I mean there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. That's you know, that's I mean, that's what Corman was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't recognize much of this. So this this just seems like a weird anomaly that, that all these different things kind of came together and made this movie that really motivates Dominique to talk about it online, which you know, <laughs> which which is great. I mean, I, I one of the things I love about MKR about Monster Kid Radio is I mean, you get all these people on the show that you know have a, a love or a passion or a fascination for for a movie that I have not really given a lot of attention to. This is a movie that I've shown on the stream. I'm pretty sure. I think you said I've probably played it a couple of times. But I've never really paid close attention to it. In fact, I a lot of times mix this one up with the one with Tor Johnson, the name that I'm liking on, where he's wandering around the desert. Oh, Yucca Flats. Yeah. It's I, the Yucca I mix this one up with Yucca Flats sometimes. In fact, when I put it on this morning, I was like, where's Tor Johnson? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I've never really given this movie its due, I guess. Uh, I don't know. If it ever has been given its due, because it sounds like there's some really cool stuff in this. We, we, we should write a book. We should write a book. About <laughs> it's it's an acquired taste. Um, you know, it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's not an easy movie to love. It's not. It does a lot to try to keep people away from Yeah. Uh, that score, that music, that loop over and over and, and over again. And I think you're right. And I really don't want to watch Jailbait again to confirm, but I think you're right. Jailbait's not one of my favorite Wood films. No, it's not one of my It's, it's the, the random insert of the blackface performance takes me completely out of it. Even thought that I was into it beginning with. Yeah. Ugh. No blackface in this one, though. No, definitely no blackface in this Just one. a stereotypical kind of sort of maybe he's evil Asian? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the big spider thing? I thought it was cute. Did you want to hug it? I did want to hug it. <laughs> <laughs> that still comes up in the chat. That still comes up on the screen. Whenever I'm watching a movie, the Monster Kid Movie Club, and there's a monster, somebody every once in a while will say, I wonder if Dominique would want to hug this one. 
Oh man. Well, yeah, I noticed last or yesterday you were showing the beast from Haunted Cave. Yes. And yeah, Humphreys is Humphreys is definitely. I love Humphreys so bad. Yeah, Beast from Haunted Cave. Um, I actually did a little bit of work on it to clean it up a little bit. Now I might go to do some more audio work. And here's a plug for the Patreon. Once it's done, I'm going to make it available to the folks at the uh, midnight movie level or higher to go watch on YouTube and unlisted links. So if that's something you're interested in seeing and want to give me money, I guess. <laughs> that's the awkward part of this whole thing. I'm not good at that. Pay me for my service, please. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that at all. Because really, I sit around and watch movies like this, like Mesa Watch Women or Yucca Flats or even Jailbait every once in a while for free. Because, I mean, I love this stuff. Yeah. And I, man, if you really love these movies, I think I think you're right. There is, you've converted me. You've got me really liking this movie more than I did before we sat down. Yeah. It's one of those movies that you you got to be willing to put aside the stupidity. But you would watch this one over at Monos anytime. Well, again, Monos yes, gets you in a weird way. Though. The, yeah, I don't dislike Monos because it's a bad movie. I dislike Monos because I find it disturbing. So that it's a completely different class. I don't find this movie disturbing. Okay. Would you double feature this with Carnival of Lost Souls? No, you know what? I, okay, you ready for this? Uh oh. I would double feature this with the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari if I was high. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> You're talking about the original, the, the yeah. original black. Okay, well, the silent film. Okay, okay. yeah, all right. Yeah, because that one is that one's a mess. I mean, in a great way. I mean, okay. I don't. I don't know if we've ever had the discussion, but I have watched Cabinet and Doctor Caligari High. Okay. And oh my god, I saw the universe expanding. That movie is insane when you're high. So between like that and then the, just the Mesa of Lost Women, because it feels like Caligari would take you up and Mesa of Lost Women takes you down. Okay. All right. All right. And yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to ask her when she had this experience, but for the record, it is legal <laughs> or again. So just insane. Actually, it, it was pain pills after dental surgery. It was oh. Hot. But, okay. <laughs> so, okay. yes, it was legal, but. Okay. All right. That, it, it was, I got my wisdom teeth out, so they gave me the really strong stuff. First time I saw um, Clockwork Orange, I was uh, hallucinating because I was having a really bad flu degree of like 105, 106. Oh, fever hallucination. Dude, that movie messed me up yep. so bad. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's forever tainted my experience with that film because of it. Yeah. I, I can't watch it now without feeling very off put. Mm -hmm. You know what I would just just straight pair Mesa Lost Woman with? The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stop Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies. Well, that title really mixed the two up. To, not mix them, but. Yeah. Because it's the same suspension of disbelief. Just go with it. It's craziness. Uh, you know, Ray Dennis Deckler is another one of those filmmakers that. You know, he made movies and maybe they weren't the greatest, but he made enough to keep going. And uh, I, I got a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Um, you know, some of his later outputs gets a little on the skeedy side, but, mm -hmm. you know, incredibly strange creatures. I don't think I've ever talked about proper on the show. Should. I talked about it on Mail Order Zombie years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've talked about it up here. Um, I know Jeff's shown it at the uh, Joy Cinema. A couple times, yeah. Yeah. Because I think I saw it there once. 
Yeah. Because that, that's a Nightmare Logic movie right there. I actually just watched that one last night, too. Huh. I haven't mean, seen it in forever. I need to see Rat Fake Boo Boo again, so I haven't seen that one. Uh, like, yeah, you always need to see that one again. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you haven't seen Rat Fake Boo Boo, <laughs> I don't know how this conversation is going to <laughs> Yes, I do, because we pretty much said all we wanted to say, but Rat Fink Boo Boo, awesome kind of sort of superhero movie. Seriously? Legit? Superheroes have one weakness. Bullets. Bullets. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part of that whole movie. Well, that and when they supposedly have a parade for the superheroes. <laughs> they just waited for a parade to go through town and decided to walk in it and get footage and then leave. Guerrilla filmmaking, folks. I love that stuff so much. <laughs> and now that I'm going to be getting back into it this year, I look at that and I was like, oh. yep. <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> I'm going to make my uh, my co-producer sit down and watch this movie, Lisa of Mos- Mesa, Lisa of Mo- no. <laughs> Mesa of Lost Women. <laughs> you hear that, Matt and Mike? You've got a treat in store for you. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm so glad you came up. I know now that I live in Vancouver, I'm kind of detached from a lot of the Portland area stuff that I was doing. Um, So I know it's not always going to be easy to have people come up to my place, but I'm really glad you are one of the first, the first uh, person that I've had over to, you know, record anything with and, you know, hang out for an extended period of time. We're the first people to do that. And that's awesome. I'm sorry that we haven't connected very much lately, but, you know, COVID moved, divorce, relationship, and yeah. a relationship, everything else in the world. But this was awesome, and it means a lot to me. So thank it you. Was, yeah, thank you for having me. And go buy her monsters. Take a tingle home, which sounds way dirtier than I actually needed. I was trying to come up with a way to make it sound <laughs> kind of weird, but you, you did it for me. <laughs> Coming to this theater soon, The Beast of Yucca Flats. Filmed on the burning hot sands by Yucca Flats. See terror, panic, murder. See the Cardoza and Francis production of The Beast of Yucca Flats. See a man turn killer. See a woman ravaged. See one of the most exciting movies ever made. See the Beast of Yucca Flats. Look, then run for your life. Incredible is the word for the world's first monster musical. See in magnificent Eastman color, the daring, dancing, enticing, and horrifying, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. From the innocence of music and laughter comes the twilight of terror. Along the midway, scantily clad dancers luring the young lovers into the sideshows. See the dancing girls of the carnival murdered by the incredible night creatures of the midway. I really know that something evil lies ahead for me. An unspeakable pit of dismal subhuman monsters who drool and gibber, moaning for the thrill of revenge. Incredible are the songs, the gaiety, the zombie stomp of those who will stop living. And then the mix-up, trickery, and the device to ruin. 
See the hunchback of the midway fight a duel of death with the mixed-up zombies, turning men into monsters, twisted, tormented human vultures, yearning to kill incredible creatures clutching at the thin thread of their miserable lives. Human vultures, only the weird zombies remain. Okay. Who is the woman branded in birth wearing the ward of horror? Do as Madame Estrella said. The world's first monster musical. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. Rat Fink and Boo Boo. Masked men dedicated to fight crime and preserve justice. Look, Boo Boo, young lady in distress. Won't somebody help me? Me first, I think. Go, Boo Boo. I'll park the rat sickle. Oh, take that, Mr. Crook. Oh. Why not fight someone your own size, fella? Ah. Help me. Won't somebody please help me? The rat think, Will. Ape, drop that girl. You heard me, you big ape. Take that, ape. And Boo Boo, the leaders of today, building the leaders of tomorrow. And I want all you young people to grow up to be good American citizens. Remember, your country needs you. Rat Fink, you're the greatest. Rat Fink and Boo Boo are coming. reached the end of this episode of monster kid radio thank you for being here i really appreciate everybody's patience as i still kind of work out my schedule in terms of when things are coming out trying real hard to move it up so that it doesn't happen on a friday night but you know life is happening life continues to happen life will happen and life just has a way of getting in the way of all the stuff that i really want to do like putting out a podcast on a regular consistent schedule so thank you for sticking around and still downloading and still listening and still interacting with the show. Also big thanks to everybody who contributes to the show, like our man, Kenny, or one of my favorite marks. I love that they both contribute to the show, such top quality content. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So thank you to the both of them as well. And speaking of Mark, and I'm sorry that I haven't mentioned this beforehand. And I know there's such a limited amount of time left by the time you listen to this, it may even be too late. However, if you listen to this within the next, say, 16 hours of it going live, you can go and check out the Kickstarter for Small Town Monsters, which is the production, I guess it's a production company, production group that Mark is involved with. You check out cryptids, they check out legends like Bigfoot, UFOs, uh, werewolves, the Jersey Devil, all sorts of cool stuff. And they've got a Kickstarter going right now to get an entire season of Small Town Monsters Productions up and running. Now, they've already met their goal, but wouldn't it be nice if they could blow that goal out of the water? And I know a lot of you are interested in this kind of stuff, so I want to just throw a little bit of light on the Small Town Monsters Kickstarter. Link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net where you're going to find links to everything we've talked about in this episode of the podcast, including a link to the House of Silent Graves, which is Dominique Lamsey's Etsy shop. Now, she has a number of monsters that have already been built that she really, really would like to unload so that she doesn't have to pack them up when she goes on her move, which is coming up here soon. So go check that out. Let her know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. And like I said, 
link in the show notes. Also a link in the show notes to our Twitter, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Discord, our Reddit, our Patreon. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, our Twitch. Make sure you check us out at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. We show movies every Saturday and Tuesday, and we would love to have you be part of that screening and conversation. It's the one time I'm going to encourage you to talk during the movies. So come check that out. What's coming up next week here on the show? Not 100% sure. Once again, we're kind of going into the week, not knowing what we're doing next week. However, I'd really, really, really like to record with my man, Steve Sullivan, and lay down some audio for the Monster Rally Retro Awards, or the rallies as we call them. So fingers and tentacles crossed, we can make that happen and finally pull the trigger on that episode. It's been pushed back one week, and then the next week we were supposed to do it. I just wasn't prepared enough, so Steve and I just kind of hung out. So hopefully, hopefully I can get all of my monsters in a row and we'll make that episode happen. If not, I'll come up with something else, I'm sure. Stay tuned, though. I typically announce what's happening on the podcast first on the stream on Saturday over on Twitch, and then I start talking about it on social media as well. Once again, big thanks to the band, the Hang 10 Hangmen, for letting us play their music here on the show. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song, The Incredible Hip Shaker. That belongs to the Hang 10 Hangman, copyright 2018. You can find the song on their album, This Is Boss, which you can find at the Hang 10 Hangman.bandcamp.com. Buy the entire digital album for eight bucks. There's 11 songs on there. That's less than a dollar a song. I dig all the songs, but for whatever reason, this one, this song, The Incredible Hip Shaker, spoke to me for this week's episode. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.